0: 7, 6, 9, 7. I am currently an inmate at the McDougal Correctional Institution at one one five three East Street South, Suffield, Connecticut. Um, I have had uh, uh, an array of legal issues that are outside of my conviction, which is a whole different story. That's being So I have a habeas to go to in a couple of months, and I'd rather not get into that, but I would like to talk about how my stepdaughter uh, in Harris County, Texas, that's Houston, um, neglected to tell me that my wife, her mother, had passed away in 2013 while I was incarcerated, and she didn't tell me that. Uh, passed away until 2020. She had sold two properties of mine by forging my name and obviously having my signature notarized in the Harris County probate. Um, and recently in 2020, she again forged my name and had it notarized to illegally sell some publicly traded stock worth over $10,000. And my uh, basic fundamental question to this is how does an indigent inmate obtain legal representation when they are the victim of federal crimes? And it's been two and a half years 175 certified mail letters, packages sent out to all sorts of federal agencies, the FBI, the Department of Justice in Texas, in Connecticut, in Washington, D.C., the Securities and Exchange Commission, I have received from them. I have written to um, the Harris County District Attorney, her name is Kim Oog. OGG and I have not heard not heard back from any of these people, with the exception of the Connecticut Department of Justice, in which Attorney Leonard Boyle wrote two sentences. This happened in Texas. We are not investigating. That end of story. The Harris County Probate Office, Court Number Four. Attorney Vasso said, you're not the first one that this has happened to. You just have to find a probate attorney in Texas and a defense attorney in Connecticut, and they will proceed with what they can. I have filed a contestant will that has been signed and paid for. So the statute of limitations, if anybody's worried, the statute of limitations in Texas on something like this starts when the fraud is discovered, not when the fraud actually takes place. I discovered it in 2020, and I have. By she, Attorney basso. the staff attorney at Probate Court Number Four in Harris County, has told me that all of that paperwork is filed. They know about it, just like everybody else does. All these other different lawyers and prosecutors and every county sheriffs and state police in Connecticut and district attorneys and attorney generals, and everybody knows about it. But until I can find a lawyer that is willing to do something about this, absolutely nothing is going to happen. Recently, I have talked to an attorney that works for the state of Connecticut at a very high level, who informed me that it is up to the district attorney in Harris County if they want to prosecute, which kind of makes me a little ill at ease because whenever I talk to an attorney in Texas, and there's been many, I have lots of uh, letters saying, sorry, we can't help you, they are very, um, I'm not, I don't want to use the word discriminant, but they are not very friendly toward a the blue state of Connecticut, which I don't mind because I'm a South Floridian, the beach part of Florida, not the part near the capital like way up north. I am a beach, long-haired be tricky person. I don't get into all that weird red and blue stuff, but apparently Texas doesn't like Connecticut, and I'm pretty sure that Connecticut's not real fond of Texas either. Which leaves me in a big limbo here. But coming back to my point about the district attorney, he said that they don't have to prosecute the case. Forgery and fraudulent use of a notary stamp to sell properties that are probably worth oh, maybe $250,000, much less than 10000 dollars in stock. That's across state lines. I didn't led like to believe that that's a federal crime. This attorney that I talked to recently said it's more of a civil case, which call me naive or most likely ignorant, because I have no clue what they're talking about. When somebody, you know, forges, if I forge something and have a notary yeah, stamp, yeah, there's, there's two people, two people that are in trouble. Okay, it's yes, back to where I was. Um, yes, uh, how can a district attorney, when and when I presented these this, these questions to the uh, attorney that's in the upper echelon of the uh, state of Connecticut's hierarchy here, he was very, got. He got a little bit upset because I presented the argument as such. If the district attorney chooses not to charge or indict my stepdaughter for forgery, fraud, I don't know. Some people have called it wire fraud. I'm not sure the exact terminology. Real estate fraud, what have you. If she, if Kim, the district attorney, Kim U chooses not to charge indict her, or indict her or whatever it's called and if somebody else says the exact same thing can't that person's defense attorney say well you've never charged Lori Licknerowicz with the exact same crime when you have written documentation from the company that sold the stock on her behalf that said that We were duped, and Mr. Hall could not have been in Texas to have a signature and notary stamp because he was in prison in Connecticut. That's a pretty tight alibi. So, isn't that legal for people in Harris County, Texas, to fraudulently notarize documents? And he, I said, if that happened here in Connecticut, well, how would that happen? And he, of course, automatically, that would never happen in Connecticut. But he got very upset at the idea that I was asking these types of questions, which I'm not sure he wanted to answer, because I was on the phone with him, it was the first time I'd ever talked to him, and he wasn't sure who I was, possibly, I'm I'm assuming, which I shouldn't do. But when you present a lawyer with questions that they don't feel comfortable with, they get very upset. I've learned that from my experience that a criminal does this system, much less these, you know, this what they call a civil problem. But I I wish that I had anybody that could tell me the difference. How does a criminal act turn into a civil act? Uh, Obviously, I'm very ignorant about this. And it's in Texas, which has a whole different set of laws than most everyone else. They were a country all by themselves, and people were not. Remember that, but yes. <clears throat> Back to the fundamental question how do, how do I get representation being an inmate when I am the victim of federal crimes that's, that That's one of the things that, that I'd like to know. Um, I am in McDougall Correctional Institute in Sheffield, Connecticut. If anybody's out there listening, my name is Jeffrey Hall, 397 is my inmate number. Um, with that, there's a few, uh, there's other things here in Connecticut, David, that he didn't want to answer either. Like, I, before you are, it's in 2014, I also tried to vote while I was incarcerated. Before you're convicted of a crime or a felony, you can vote while you're in jail. That right was not given to me. There was a big problem that had happened. And it follows me to this day. It's a state of elections enforcement commission file number 2015. That's 003. And every, I have recently seen a person who's was involved in that back in 2014 that has been transferred here. She is in a very uh, high position in this institution. And things could start getting a little bit more isolated here because of her involvement in that election uh, election violation that occurred before I was convicted of the crime I'm here for. And it bothers me, it worries me a lot, especially getting this close to my habeas hearing, which should go off without a hitch, which was one upside to talking to the gentleman that I talked to today after I, he, he did a few of the documents that I sent him. And I should be exonerated in the very near future, which brings up a whole other can of worms. Uh, if I'm allowed to pursue um, this on the outside, what what's going to happen then? I don't even want to think about that. But in the meantime, I don't want anything to happen to me while I'm in prison with the introduction of this woman that obviously is very, very unhappy with me, or something that they did, that the staff of the, it was the Northern Correctional I was in did to prohibit me from legally voting in 2014. Which, you know, I have enough mental health problems just trying to get myself together, so when I go to this hearing in a couple months, I'm going to be okay. Much Now i got to worry on top of everything else. About what this woman's gonna try to, you know, make try to make my life a little bit worse. And I'm surprised that I've gotten this far, but keeping my sanity with everything going on, and I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get out of here. Probably be homeless, but that's okay. I can, I'll, I'll figure that out when that happens. But if that happens. So uh, and, um, if anybody is if anybody out there is uh, hearing me and knows that anybody that could help, I can send you this documentation of everything that I have talked about. Um, my gracious host, Mr. LaMaster, could verify that i he has the documentation also mm-hmm that you know, I am not I'm not just blowing smoke out I was about to out right here. Or else he wouldn't put me on the radio station. he wouldn't have put me on this podcast if I wasn't you know, if he didn't have authentication of the crazy things that have happened, especially, you know, nobody believes a person that's been in jail for ten years has been convicted of first degree manslaughter that has never ever in his life been read as the Moran one. But he's I've got the judge's own words Being somebody that is out possibly out to make your life a little bit worse for wears, not no good for the mental health of myself. But I I can stay cool. Like I said, I'm a I'm a beach guy from South South Florida. I'm very laid back. But I wish there was somebody that had qualifications in this institution that I could talk to as far as helping with my mental health issues. But once they found once I showed them all the evidence of the violations of my legal mail and HIPAA law medical correspondences, they deemed I was not paranoid, not a paranoid schizophrenic. So they don't want to no mental health people here want to talk to me anymore. Because I don't have a mental health issue that's up to the caliber that some of these other inmates said are vastly much, much worse off in the mental health department than I am. But it's just like my criminal, it's uh, like the civil case or criminal case here. It's not bad enough to warrant anybody's attention. I mean, hmm. two pieces of property for $250,000 and, you know, <clears throat> $10,000 plus dollars in some stock, that's a lot of money for me, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, if I did have a mental health issue, then somebody, but they don't even, the people, the mental health people here aren't even mental health specialists. I think that they're, they you know, went by the Home Depot and said, hey, buddy, you need a job? And they said, yeah, I need a job. And they said, okay, come on, you're going to be a mental health specialist in a prison in Connecticut. And I think that's the only qualification that's required, you know, <laughs> to be a mental health person here. There is a psychiatrist. Trust me, she is a very good psychiatrist that evaluated me. But she only comes here like I don't know once a month to evaluate the most, you know, mentally incompetent people. But that's the the so-called social workers here are nowhere near. I, I, it's ridiculous for people that have had mental health issues. Even they say these people here. It's just you know. What are you going to get in a prison? You know, maybe they're on community service and they're forced to come here. The social workers are maybe. I don't know. I think the dentist is for sure, but I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. <clears throat> anyway, um, do you have any questions for me, uh, Mister Master?
1: Yeah, with that, uh, do you th- are they young? Like the social workers and stuff?
0: Oh no. One
1: guy's probably in his upper 70s. Oh. Do you think... The other
0: guy's... Yeah, the the other guy's at
1: least in his upper 60s. Okay, because I know I've read sometimes, like, some prisons and other places that they actually bring them in, like, right out of when they graduate. And for them, do you think it's where they're older that maybe they're just kind of, like, getting closer to retirement just kind of don't care in a sense anymore? Uh, I have so the only guy that
0: I spoke to about about this um about my stepdaughter and her things. he told me the best thing for me to do about it is just to forget about the forget about the whole thing because there's nothing that I can do about it, and I'm needlessly barking up a tree and I said the children so all my stuff. And he says, the first step in recovery is letting go. (laughs) 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 That's when I I told him to write that down on a piece of paper and sign it, and he threw me out of his office. Yeah, yeah. And as far as there is, there is a younger guy here. but I tried to get him. I tried to get to talk to him. He's a he's a veteran's assistant. He's a he's a ex-marine. Uh, uh, but since I wasn't in armed combat, like in Iraq or um, um, Afghanistan or anything, I was only in Germany when I was in the army. They said that it doesn't. I couldn't. I couldn't have him as a counselor. He's a younger guy, and a lot of the veterans that I know like he's good, but since you know his place full with the combat PTSD mm-hmm. uh, guys, it, I thought once again, I don't be up to the standards to get that type of help if you can dig it. But as far as the other two guys there, yeah, they're, they're I don't know what, what why how they got the jobs here. I mean, I don't, there's no certificates on anybody's wall i tried looking for that, and see if you bring that up, you, they think that you're being belligerent, and you get escorted out real quick.
1: Huh. If you ask what type of education these people have. Which I've noticed, too, yeah. uh, nothing against, like, them where they're older people. I've noticed a lot of the older generation, especially in, like, men and stuff, it was kind of just, like, kind of like what that guy said, just let it go, like, move on from it, because that's kind of how they were raised just let it go but the more the younger generation the more they're more open about talking about mental health problems i've noticed and it seems to be not a taboo topic i guess you could say so maybe that could be why the uh the younger guy actually is more helpful in that sense because he actually understands things i've only been able to talk to it on a
0: normal basis as walking down the hallway uh, he, he's, you know, he's a little bit more upbeat uh, you know, optimistic about things. I don't know whether he, but a lot of times, as soon as they see, you know, I, I'm pretty well known around the prison. Okay, yes, sir. As I was just mentioning, yeah, I'm a little bit infamous to the hierarchy at the, of the staff here because I have to take great measures to ensure that my mail gets to its intended recipients because I have a long long history of having my uh correspondence being violated and tampered with in all kinds of nice manners. And it's all like I said, this is all physical evidence that I can show you. This is you know steamed open envelopes, um, all kinds of different things. But um so when I come up to when when you know, more or less if they see me walking toward them they're going, Oh oh my God, what's what's long haired hall want now? And it's it's to the point where, you know, you can't really. There's so many different things that people say, you know, about me, I'm sure, because some of the other staff have told me this. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, what is he, he going to try to say now? Mm-hmm. And, hey, you're already on the defense when I bring up a, an issue, such as trying to call uh, the chief division counsel. Attorney Anthony Costanza, down in New Haven for the FBI. And you're allowed to make legal calls. So, I mean, you can call any lawyer you want. I can call Judge Judy if she'd give me her phone number. But I'm not allowed to call this attorney because he works for the FBI. Which is completely out of the rule book. But I, they see me, I, I write grievances about these things. And everybody's just like, what, why don't you get it through your thick skull? You're an inmate, you can't talk to the FBI. And I'm like, but I'm, well, I don't understand, why not? And they just throw their hands up in the air and just look at me like I'm, you know, I just grew a third head out of my butt or something, you know? <laughs> 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 it's, I hate to say it like that, but they do. I, I don't understand even some of the inmates say, "Look at me like I'm crazy, you know." Wow, you know. But so when I, they're already on the defense when I walk into an office and ask certain things, like, you know, can I have a little 20-minute session with somebody in the mental health industry here that actually has a degree in something? So if it's kind of hard to get any kind of actual help, which brings me back to the fundamental question, how does an inmate find legal representation when they're the victims of federal crimes? I can't even get a shrink here to talk to me about something because I'm not that bad. (laughs) I've been tested. I'm not crazy, so they don't care. (laughs) But that's... Hopefully somebody out there will hear my call and send me a letter at McDougal 1153 East, East Street South, Suffield, Connecticut, 06080. Um, I thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciate you very much, Mr. LeMaster, Le for allowing me on your show, and I hope that you will contact me. If anybody does, uh, shout out to you about me.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I will.
0: If you have any other questions, I got about five minutes. Um,
1: um, What do you want to come out of all of this? Like, do you want it all to be resolved? And
0: I'd like to have my... I, I don't think that I'm going to get my properties back, but I'd like to have some type of reimbursement for them. Because I did put a lot of money of my own in there, and... You know, I'd like to have some type of reimbursement for that and for the stock that my wife put in my game before she passed away. Mm. Which Merrill, the Merrill Corporation or company uh, stopped talking to me. It's sitting it's somewhere. It's a roughly about, it's well, just shy of $15,000, but I don't understand why I have to take the cash for stock that they sold without my authorization. I don't know why. They won't answer that question. I can't get anybody to answer that question either. hmm You know, they, they I've never authorized anybody to sell that stock. Why do I have to take cash for it? I would like to find that out because it might be worth a lot more with this economy or whatever, however things work. Yeah. Than the actual
1: $15,000. You see?
0: Yeah. And it bothers me because they think, that's what else bothers me. They should be working with me. If they know for a fact that I did not sign that document that enabled her to set, sell that stock, they should. Somebody should be working with me over this. I've gotten three letters after they found no two letters after they found out that you know uh, it was legitimate that I was in jail in Connecticut when they got that form, the, the beneficiary distribution form that enabled her to sell the stock. Why aren't they working more closely with me? I haven't gotten a letter
1: from them since, December, since February of twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very crazy.
0: This is, that doesn't make I don't understand. I right, but, you know, as far as that goes, but I was you know, and as far as my stepdaughter goes, I just I her to be treated as like any other person that commits a federal crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, using a notary stamp, you know, fraudulently, fraudulently notarizing a document is a big crime. And I think that she should pay for that crime. But, you know, I can't do anything about it if I'm in jail. That's what's worse. Yeah, I'm going to get exonerated from the crime that I've committed because I committed no crime. It was obviously a justifiable homicide in self-defense. In any state, whether you have a stand ground stand or ground law or not, like Connecticut does not. I was in my own apartment. That's all that there is to it. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. That's public knowledge. You can look it up and see that that's that's public knowledge. Mm -hmm. But anyway, sir, they're calling my names, and if you please don't hesitate, Mister the Master to.
1: Keep in touch with me over the tablet, if you would, please. Oh, I will. I will, for sure.
0: All right, then, sir. I'll talk to you when, uh, when you get a chance, okay, sir?
1: All right. You have a good night. Jeff, yeah, you too. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Okay, that was my interview with uh, Jeffrey Hall. Um, yeah, like we've talked about it a little bit in the first uh, part of the episode, which aired you know before this one episode 170 but yeah he sent me a lot of documentation i just wanted to include that in this and you know it does like what he says is legit because me and him talked for about 78 minutes before this one you know off off the phone and off the record recording because he was afraid that he would kind of come off sound like an idiot and you know because he's like there's proof of this stuff and I told him, you know, that's okay, because, you know, I, I believe in Bigfoot aliens, all that, and do you not know, keep an open mind on things, and the justice system is corrupt. But if anybody wants to reach out to him, uh, you can message us. I'll include his uh, address in the uh, in the link as well. So, there is, uh, I want to make a comment before I end this. There's a piece of the audio, some reason it started recording stopped recording so if it doesn't make sense in a part of it i apologize for that i tried to hit record as quick as i could there so i didn't hopefully lose a whole lot of the audio i don't think i lost very much i don't know why i quit recording but i uh, thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode